oh, Todd, you're on the worst schedule that I ever had when I did mornings um, and tried the double sleep thing doing the morning show. You know, I had to be in at 4.40 yeah. in the morning was my official start time. This land is your land. And I would finish and I would go take a nap and try to have an evening with my friends and then take another nap and go back to work. Yeah. That that just sucked. That was the worst ever. And, and the key, I'm, I'm on this loop right now. I hosted the takeaway this morning up at 3.30. Brian, you're very sympathetic. The, the key is to try to limit yourself to 90 minutes. Other hosts tell me that that's the golden amount of time. It's enough nap, but it's not too long that you're actually sleeping during the day. 90 minutes seems to be the upper bound for a nap. It's not sleeping, it's just a nap. Doling out your sleep one REM cycle at a time. <laughs> it's it's not working. I'll just tell you that my my formula is not working, but well, Here we are anyway. Everyone should know, you can't see Todd's Willick right now, but he definitely has pillow marks on his face. <laughs> Ran straight into the studio from that 90 minutes. Those now. furrows go all the way down <laughs> to my brain. Let's keep that in mind as we proceed here. You guys go easy on me. <laughs> and you won't even have to have any jet lag this week, Anna, going to Florida to report on the next primary. That's right. Staying in the Eastern time zone and got a direct flight. So it's pretty easy going down to Tampa. I'm going to spend some time in Miami and Tampa over the next week. Wait, be careful of those direct flights. The first time I ever flew, I had to go from Columbus, Ohio to Albany, New York. And I called up an airline and I said, and I want a direct flight. And they booked me on a direct flight. And direct means you don't change planes. And the plane uh, stopped uh. in Cleveland, and it stopped in Buffalo, and then it finally went to Albany. So make sure you ask for nonstop. I will. And I'm a total newbie being from West Virginia. Always had to take a connection flying out of Yeager Airport in Charleston, Good West luck Virginia. down there. So it's the It's a Free Country podcast this week. We are back. Todd's Willick. Good to be Ryan with you. Lair, Anna Sale. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? State of the Union, Florida primary. Yep. South Carolina primary. South Carolina primary that debate. That boring debate? Boring debate. Debate Thursday, which will hopefully be less boring. The first, the first 20 minutes had some fireworks in that debate. We, everybody's like, they're going to they're gonna, you know, Romney and, and Gingrich are dogs pulling at the leash and they're going to bite each other. And they kind of did. And then after that, they sort of... You know, sort of I dumb. thought it was incredible. Mitt Romney looked like, seemed like he had so many talking points at the ready but he just didn't seem to have a single soundbite that landed. There yeah. was no landing soundbite that I was like, ooh, that's going to kill him. It just was sort of like just kind of these pokes. Yeah. And then it was over. Well, maybe maybe Romney needs to warm up to it. This was his first debate as a real bona fide pugilist. He may not, but he may not huh. be used to bringing the angry, you know, so he needed to practice that. Florida debate number one had a quiet audience. Newt Gingrich threatened to refuse any more debate invitations <laughs> unless the audience was allowed their free speech rights. The American, people, the American yeah. people fundamentally, categorically have the right to cheer. CNN said, okay. <laughs> no, they <laughs> probably had the rules anyway that the audience could emote. They certainly did at the, at the CNN debate in South Carolina. Yep. Um, so the Thursday night CNN debate. The Presidential Debating Commission did remind everybody – that the official general election debates have no audience participation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Something for Republican voters to keep in mind. And debating Obama is a... And if Gingrich is the nominee, yes. a promise to break. Because I'm sure he will show <laughs> right. up. And th they're, all, they're all fond of saying, I'm the guy who can beat President Obama, who can face him down in the debate. No, I'm the guy who can. This, this may be the 
key factor. You know, if Newt Gingrich is a great debater, can he do it with a silent audience? He may only be able to do it in a, in a, in a form with rabble-rousing. And if there's to be no rabble-rousing in front of the president, well, maybe they want to give Newt a second look. I don't know. Well, I want to know who won our competition from last week to bring the best sound by. Oh, this, this is a um, listener vote for most revealing clip of the week. That well, one. it's Oscar week, of course, when they when they oh, reveal yes. who will be the nominees for the magic envelope opening in March. I'm pleased to have the honor this week uh, to have the envelope before me for the uh, It's a Free Country podcast version of the Oscars. Should we do a reminder of the clips for everyone? Oh, yes, absolutely. We should. Um, we, let's see. Our clips last week, uh, Brian... I remember what my was la- mine was last week because it was fantastic. If you don't remember it, Brian, you probably didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will reveal right up front that after the show last week, I voted on the website for Todd's clip. Oh. That's very generous of you because yeah. I voted for my clip. I didn't intend to lose this time. You know what else I did? I, I, I was in Los Angeles last week. I don't know if you remember. I, I voted for my clip. Then um, I had to travel, and when I got – home to a whole nother IP address, I voted again. Oh, you cheater. See, you're just the opposite of me. I have this maybe old-fashioned code of humility. It's a meritocracy. I will not vote for my own clip. And I have... have, I'm going to stick to that policy. I have a slash and burn attitude, really. But I thought that your clip was the best clip last week. It was the Romney revelation that he pays 15% in taxes. And... I think you were spot on when you said that this is going to define the rest of the campaign, at least to some important degree. And that was not a 24-hour soundbite. We heard it uh, basically attacked in the State of the Union address. And yes, if Romney is the the nominee and this is on the role of government and the the fair tax rates um, and the most productive tax rates – uh, boy, 15%, 15%, yes. 15%. Could be the most revealing clip of 2012. Of the whole, the whole campaign, perhaps. Could be. And and when Barack Obama last night said, urge, whatever, I'm paraphrasing, free taxation so that people like me pay their fair share is not about envy. It's about somebody else not having to pay your way. I mean, just the, the word envious right there was dog Mitt whistle Romney. for Mitt Romney. Exactly. It was. Well, we seem to have reached consensus in this room that my <laughs> clip was the best. Did listeners agree? That's the question. I hold in my hand the envelope. And Newt Gingrich wants to make sure that the listeners do have their say during That's any debate. That's an important thing. The winner of last week's best clip. Well, there. It's me. Todd, for his clip of Mitt Romney admitting he pays 15% of taxes. Uh, Todd wins with 46.7% of the vote, which is, oh, that's pretty good. Which, is, which is just about three times higher than Mitt Romney's tax rate. <laughs> I, 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 will po- I will point out that I won the previous week with a clear majority oh. of 53%. And, and I will point out, Brian, that you won without voting for yourself, which I cannot, uh, I cannot say. Twice. Uh, <laughs> second, uh, second place, Anna, uh, and then uh, Anna Marie Cox, who joined us last week as our special guest. She was third, uh, bringing up the rear in uh, in fourth place, uh, Brian Lair. Last week, it's a rebuilding week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got to bring it. I'm the one loser in the room now. So my clip this week is from the State of the Union, President Obama talking about the corrosive influence of money in politics. So take a listen to what he said and think about what he didn't say. I've talked tonight about the deficit of trust between Main Street and Wall Street, but the divide between this city and the rest of the country is at least as bad. And it seems to get worse every year. 
And some of this has to do with the corrosive influence of money in politics. So together, let's take some steps to fix that. Send me a bill that bans insider trading by members of Congress. I will sign it tomorrow. Let's limit any elected official from owning stocks in industries they impact. Let's make sure people who bundle campaign contributions for Congress can't lobby Congress and vice versa. An idea that has bipartisan support, at least outside of Washington. Okay, so what he said there, the insider trading in Congress, nobody in Congress says, I'm actually for this, let's not regulate this. You've got members of Congress who say, you're accusing me of this and I really didn't do it, but generally not a controversial issue. So then he talks about bundlers and campaign money. And this is something that Barack Obama is already doing. He, of course, is not taking money from lobbyists, and he's revealing his bundlers much more so than any of the Republican candidates. So the thing he's proposing, not letting lobbyists be bundlers, something conveniently that the Obama campaign is already doing, the Republicans are not. It is required right now, if you're a registered lobbyist, to you have to disclose if you're a bundler, but other bundlers do not have to disclose. Obama volunteers who his bundlers. I are. was following along last night on the printed copy of um, a printed copy of you know the prepared remarks, and I thought for a minute that the teleprompter must have malfunctioned and that the whole thing <laughs> jumped from one section of the speech right. to another because to set up the idea of campaign finance. And then go to uh, you know Wall Street fraud, uh, insider trading, instead of campaign Citizens finance United. reform, right. exactly. Citizens United. I was like, what? No, he made a mistake. And then I looked down at my copy, and sure enough, that was where he intended to go. But why? Why? Why do you guys think that he left out um, such an overt reference to such an unpopular Supreme Court ruling that's having such a huge impact? Um, on this race, well, he hit it really hard last year. Uh, you, you were, last year, twenty ten, twenty ten, two years ago, when the decision was made, President Obama uh, s- stood on the dais in the State of the Union and, and directly lambasted a Supreme Court decision, famously mm-hmm. causing oh, Samuel right. Alito, Justice Alito, to wince to, to say that's that's, that's not, not true, true to mouth right. those words. I remember. So maybe that's why. Maybe because he didn't want the networks replaying that clip over and over again. Yes, uh, it even may though be, it would be a repeat. It may be, or it, it may be the fundamental hypocrisy that though Democrats and the, and the president being the Democrat in chief criticize Citizens United and they would like to have it eviscerated or changed, nobody who's serious about politics believes in unilateral disarmament. So for every bit of criticism for Newt Gingrich super PAC or Mitt Romney super PAC, uh, Barack Obama will, will make full use of of uh, of uh, undisclosable super PACs in the in the race. Exactly. Priorities USA that's Barack Obama's super PAC that's spending money right now in Florida. They're splitting the cost with SEIU on a Spanish language ad that they're happening to run this week. And I just think it's significant. I went back and looked at what he said in 2010 when he was talking about Citizens United. It was just a few days after the ruling came down. He said, "I don't think American elections should be bankrolled by America's most powerful interests." Very strong language in 2012. As his super PAC is raising money and as he's raising money himself, the campaign, no mention of those powerful yeah. interests controlling yeah. the election. He could have said one person has donated $10 million to Newt Gingrich in the last two weeks. But maybe because Sheldon Adelson 
um, is such a, a mocker in the Jewish community. I can say mocker in Jewish community <laughs> together. That that uh, he was afraid about it. You know, afraid of a Jewish backlash. I don't know, but it it's su- you know such a poster boy for what is destructive to the system. Um, uh, as a result of Citizens United being able to donate ten million dollars, five million for use in South Carolina, five million for use in Florida, that's just this month's donation. Mm-hmm. Stunning. He may not. He the president may also not have wanted to muddy the waters. Um, state states of the union and and campaign speeches and campaigns are about clear contrast between me and the other guy. This is not a clear contrast. There may be a, <laughs> there may be a contrast of nuance, but the contrast is not clear. Um, while we're on the topic, I would like to tell you guys on the topic of super PACs. I did attend a taping of the Stephen Colbert show last night here in New York. That's why you're sleepy. <laughs> it, well, they do do it early. It's not late at night. They do tape it. Um, I so did... that would have been Tuesday night, and because uh, we don't know when people are going to listen to this podcast. But Tuesday correct. night, uh, just before the State of the Union. That, that's correct. On, on the night of the State of the, State of the Union, I got to attend uh, the Stephen Colbert show. He comes out beforehand and takes questions as a way to warm up. I did get a chance to ask him how much money, cash on hand, does Colbert, Colbert Super PAC have right now? And he did give me an answer. Hmm. Which was a uh, one point five. Go bleep yourself. That's what he said. You uh, weren't <laughs> recording. You didn't have some secret in your pocket radio guy's microphone because that would have been the clip of the week. Yeah, yeah it's true. I know. Strictly not allowed recording devices. And I, I it was it was a journalistic question. I thought I could break this if he would reveal how much money Colbert Super PAC actually had. Of course, his point is I don't, I don't have, have to, to disclose a darn thing. So hence the second part of that answer. Um, yeah, I makes mean, his satirical point. Yeah, you could have asked him why his little campaign thingy with Herman Cain bombed as big as it did, because uh, Cain only wound up with one percent of the vote in South Carolina, and I think there were people who really believed that they could have gotten two, three, four percent of the vote. I think there was one poll somewhere along the way that showed that they may have gotten five percent of the vote as this satirical mocking thing. Democrats were able to vote in the South Carolina primary and independents, but, you know, got like 6,000 people, but that's not much. Yeah, not, not much at all. And given the size of the crowd, you know, if you would have extrapolated that statewide, you would have thought he would have gotten more of the crowd at his, at his rally that he had down there with the choir and with Herman Cain, but it wasn't to be. All right, well, my, my clip this week is a bit of exclusive tape, and it's not from the world of the campaign. It, it is indirectly, but this is from the world of Congress. This is a bit of tape uh, that you will not hear anywhere else, but I thought it was extremely revealing to, as a moment of real honesty, about what our politics is this year and what it is not. I sat down with a small group of reporters uh, just two days ago with uh, House Majority Leader Eric Cantor, and I had my radio equipment with me. And the, the question to Eric Cantor was, we know how divided everyone is. We, we, we know that. But um, even in the theater of politics, sometimes people have a way of getting deals done. Um, the, the president is calling for cooperation. He's going to say that in the State of the Union and try to make you guys look bad. What really do you think? Is there any chance now that the public is so sick of strife and gridlock that Congress might be able to actually do something this year to deliver on a compromise um, and, and the majority leader's answer is very revealing. Listen to what he said. The, the two sides can work together. I mean, there's this notion somehow that, um, you know, all we want is compromise no matter what the result, right? I mean, there are two issues surrounding tax reform and health care that have 
eluded any solution over the last year. Again, you go back to the Biden talks, the White House talks, uh, <coughs> or the super committee. Three times, no resolution. I think that ought to tell you something. It goes back to what the president said. There's some big issues that will need to be decided by the election. Now, what you hear the majority leader saying there, really, is um, we've tried three times to do something big on the big things that everybody agrees are really plaguing the country and plaguing the economy right now. Entitlements, Medicare, Social Security, taxes and tax reform, revenue, uh, and, and defense, the big items, deficit and debt. What the majority leader is saying there is, I agree with the White House. We're done. We're not going to do anything on the big decisions this year. Don't expect a thing from us. This is up to the voters. This is what 2012 is about. I agree with Barack Obama. This election's about the social contract because we're finished. We're not doing it this year. Yeah. We're not even going to try. The work on the big issues on the campaign trail and not in Congress. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I, I found it very revealing that he just came right out and said, you know, you would expect a leader and a politician to say, my door is always open to try to get a deal whenever the president wants, you know, X, Y, and Z. Not even pretending like they're going to make an attempt at it this year. This is up to the voters. You have done it again, Todd. That is extremely revealing. <laughs> and I think it kind of tees up President Obama for one of the attack lines that he's wanted to use anyway, and that's that he is running against a do-nothing Congress. And it seems like Eric Anter is promising, pledging to be just that, a do-nothing co Congress as a matter of principle. And I wonder, does that hurt the Republicans on the campaign trail then? If Obama can say Republicans in Washington don't care about getting the people's work done, I do. And he can campaign on that in Washington and on the campaign trail. If he does, then it is the completely polarized election then it is, no, we will not do anything because they are so evil. Mm -hmm. And look at those people. They won't do anything because they are so evil. And I think that's very rare in American political history. And what a legacy of the Obama promise. To, you know? It is. It would be. To be fair to Eric Cantor, I don't want to mischaracterize his remarks too much. He was talking about the big things getting done. He did have a laundry list of a lot of smaller things. He thought, sure, we can work together. Our door is open to the White House. But they were they were laundry list items, much like the ones you heard from the president last night on his laundry list of little things that maybe they could do, if at all. Eric Cantor has a list, too, n none of which are really on Barack Obama's <laughs> list. Uh, but on the, on the big items and the, the big problems driving the country, sort of as Newt Gingrich would say, fundamentally, um, everyone's agreeing, not going to happen this year. It's up to you, voters. Well, I decided that for my clip, since I voted for your clip last week, Todd, <laughs> on the 15% tax rate of Mitt Romney, that I, for my pick, would follow up yeah. on that clip and pick one of Romney from the Monday night debate in which I thought he followed up that self-damaging revelation with a self-damaging explanation yes. of that revelation. And here it is. I pay all the taxes that are legally required and not a dollar more. I don't think you want someone as the candidate for president who pays more taxes than he owes. Sticking to his guns about not paying one dollar more than is required of him. Now, yeah, almost nobody pays more taxes than is required of them. But he steps on a Republican talking point by doing this. Because when the president makes that point over and over again about Warren Buffett's uh, pledge and that, or about Warren Buffett's secretary paying more taxes or a higher tax rate than Warren Buffett, and that nobody should have to do that. And Buffett himself said that. 
the Republicans always come back at him and say, well, then Warren Buffett has the legal right to pay anything he wants above his actual tax bill. And that's an attack line that you hear over and over again on talk radio and out of the, the, the mouths of some Republican elected officials. Romney just stepped on that attack line 100 percent. Nobody should be expected to pay more taxes than they owe. There was um, Republicans upset yesterday. Actually, Republicans don't like this line of attack because philosophically um, they don't disagree with a 15 percent tax rate for Mitt Romney uh, because he makes his money on capital gains. I don't want to put them all in one basket, but let's paint a a good general characterization. And I'm going to disagree with that a little bit in a minute, but go ahead. Well, Republicans were a little bit upset yesterday. I talked to some of them going into the State of the Union saying, you know, the president's going to attack Mitt Romney for 15 percent. It's not Mitt Romney's fault. He followed the law. And and that's in many ways what Mitt Romney was saying. I paid my legal rate, not a dollar more. Well, I think what the president is saying and what, what he intends for people to take away from this is it's not about Mitt Romney following the law. Of course he did. Nobody's calling him a criminal. It's about the law and whether you want to change it or not. And I, I think that Mitt Romney missed that point in his response that it's about whether it's proper to have a law that lets Romneys, in quotes, the Romneys of the world, pay that much while the while the rest of everybody else pays pays their higher rate. And it's significant he made that point in the debate on Monday, releases his tax returns Tuesday, which includes those Swiss bank accounts and that sort of thing, which the campaign says are not tax shelters, did not help him pay lower tax rate. But it certainly doesn't help with Mitt Romney is saying, I'm paying what I'm legally owe. And he certainly has smart accountants helping him figure out what, how little he can legally owe. And another way that he gets in the way of his party, and this is where I disagree a little bit, just with the statement that the Republicans are defending the lower capital gains tax rate of 15 percent, the other Republicans in the race are calling for a zero percent capital gains tax rate to spur investment. And Romney, because he can't look like he's lowering his own taxes, uh, calls for keeping it at 15 for people making over $200,000. So so to the extent that Republicans don't agree with Romney's tax rate is just because they want it even lower than it is, which tells you a lot about why they bristle at this um, approach that they call class warfare. It's just really striking, I have found from Republicans, how visceral this this issue can be that they feel that the wealthy person, the successful person is being blamed. And you can understand why they feel that way. And the president in his speech last night sort of sort of showed that their way around that and how deft it might be. No, no, we respect you. You've done everything right. It's not about you. It's about our collective decision about what the law should be. Surely we can all agree on that, right? Well, then, then, then it becomes a campaign issue. And so, Anna, when you're in Florida over these coming days, I would love to hear reaction from Republicans on the ground there as to whether they're contradicting themselves when they have resentment of Wall Street, but they're opposed to the party, the Democrats, that appears tougher on Wall Street. Which way? Miami. Exactly. And I think it's significant. One of the interesting things in those South Carolina exit polls, one of the few line items that Romney actually won, the voters who came out and said, I think Mitt Romney is a good businessman. I think what he's done at Bain and otherwise was good. They tipped towards Romney over Newt Gingrich. The folks who had some issues with with Mitt Romney as a businessman, they tipped towards Newt Gingrich. So when the focus is on Mitt Romney, whether what he's done has been 
ethical, whether it, you know whether it's in his business practices or how he pays his tax bills, is certainly already an issue that voters are making their decisions on. Well, we'll see if Romney can win the demographic of any group making under $200,000 a year, <laughs> which he failed to win in South Carolina. Listeners, our Twitter contest this week is this. We heard the president's job creation priorities list in the State of the Union address. What's item one on your job creation to-do list? What's item one on your job creation to-do list in 140 characters or less? We'll read some of the best answers next week and use the hashtag FreePod, short for It's a Free Country, the podcast, FreePod, to reply. What's item number one on your job creation to-do list. I've got an answer to that. Uh, get some sleep or else I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> so hashtag free pod. We're going to keep that conversation going week after week after week. You don't get a free pod. And of course, I mean, it's a free country, the podcast. And you can also go to itsafreecountry.org slash podcast to see all of them that we've done so far. And vote for who has the best clip. Todd, Anna, or me. Who brought the best clip to the party? The most revealing clip. I'm going to try to not vote for myself this week. I'm going to try. How honorable. I'll try to try. I may vote for you again. (laughs) 